Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Hey, yeah, chapter two. Uh, let's go to let's go to chapter two and verse verse three. And I know we don't spend much time in this book. Some maybe this is the first time you've ever opened your Bible to this book. It, it really is a a prophet. Really is a good book, and it's important for us today. The Lord spoke to me about this book for today, and I want Him to help us for a few minutes. Verse three says, "Who's left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it now?" Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua. I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Yeah, be strong, Zerubbabel. O Joshua, be strong, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Don't just be strong. Be strong and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. How many know when the Lord speaks, we ought to listen. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house. Now, those of you that have heard from the book of Haggai, some of you could quote from Haggai and you didn't even know. But as I started to read this verse, some of you went, oh, that's where that's at. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I would like to preach for just a few moments, drawing my title from the text of the eighth verse The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. Pray with me that the Lord could do some work in our lives before we leave here today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the great teaching we heard, not only in our adult class, but around the campus. We thank you for Brother Matthews in here challenging us to seek your kingdom first. We thank you for all the great worship. We've done our best to try to ask you that you might inhabit the praise of your people this day. I pray that you'd help me to preach with wisdom and clarity. It is my request that it might be done under the anointing of God, that you would be exalted, that your name would be lifted. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and let everyone say amen. God bless you and you may be seated as I endeavor to preach to you today on the thought entitled, The Silver is Mine and the gold is mine. 
just so that there is no confusion, this is not Haggai. This is the Lord. Everyone say the silver is the Lord's. Everyone say the gold is the Lord's. That's right. And ladies and gentlemen, I still believe that whatever God wants to give us spiritually or financially, he can do it. Whatever God needs us to have, he can. Brother Richard, I believe with all my heart, if God needs us or desires for us to have it, it is his and he can unlock the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing upon us. Everybody say amen if you believe it. There is a problem. Boyce wrote it this way. The, the, the temple had been destroyed and the foundation had laid desolate for so long. And Boyce wrote it this way. Gone was the glory of the former kingdom and temple. Gone was the great population. All that was left was the rubble of Jerusalem, the remnant of the people, and the task of restoration. And while I agree with him, that's not all that was actually left. Because what that might have been all that was left with the natural eye. There was hanging in the atmosphere a word from God. And I understand the destruction of the time. And I would like to present that to you today. In order for you to understand where we're going, in case you're maybe not aware, there is a king by the name of Darius. Everyone say King Darius. If you had kids with veggie tails, you had a pretty good song you sang along with about King Darius. Some of you know, some of you want to look it up on YouTube later. There's a king, Darius. You can also read about that Persian leader, Cyprus. King Darius here, prophet by the name of Haggai or Haggai. Let's pull the crowd here today. Who says Haggai? Raise your hand. Who says Haggai? Who doesn't say either one? Just kidding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There is a governor, there is a governor who is our third player here by the name of Zerubbabel. And there is a high priest by the name of Joshua. Can I tell you that there is a word that is coming to Haggai or to Haggai or to the H-man? The great prophet with a small book. It's only a couple of chapters, but the Lack of its verses does not mean the lack of its significance or its importance. For there is to be a temple built, but there is nothing but the ground. And the Lord begins to speak to Haggai and thank God that the Lord's prophet then did what he was commanded to do and began to share his word regardless of how overwhelming the circumstance seemed. Aren't we thankful for a prophet named Haggai that even though the uh, atmosphere, as it were, seemed overwhelming, and the timing, even according to the people, seemed like it was odd, which we'll share momentarily, that Haggai did not preach or speak or teach or prophesy based on what was the public opinion, but rather he did it based on what thus saith the Lord for the hour. How many believe that in every hour the Lord can give a word? And God can turn desolation and God can turn a bare foundation and he can take that destruction and turn it into something glorious for the sake of his kingdom. 
The image that you will see on the screen behind me here today is from a recent trip. It happened in the last week. I went through a town that I've spent much time in over the years. I was traveling to preach a camp, and I thank you for your prayers. I appreciate how many have reached out and been praying for me. I'm thankful to say that I've finished preaching camps for the summer, and I'm delighted just to be back in Indianapolis, not having to burn up any sky or highway. So thank you for your prayers. But this image is a city that I stopped in, and you can see there those concrete places on the, on the ground in the grass. That is not an area where a helicopter is supposed to land. That is uh, not where they do any kind of odd worship. No, don't, don't, don't think it that way. But I stood and I looked at this place, which was considered by the city its artistic center some decade ago. I can remember going when the city had placed large vases or vases in this area, and it was an artistic, it's an area in Ohio of pottery. The pottery has been a major part uh, of industry in that particular area. And so they were not small. They were very large, eight to ten foot vases that stood on each one of these pillars. And when they were first there, it was a grand gesture by the city and people showed up. Now, I must admit to you, I had no real desire, Brother Titus, to go and look at painted vases that were eight to ten feet tall. It's not really my thing. Um, but I did and could appreciate its beauty and I could appreciate what it meant to the area that was using uh, pottery as a part of great industry. And I, I can remember how beautifully painted that they were. While I was not enthralled and I wasn't overly concerned by the artist, I was enamored by the visionary uh, efforts of it all and to take this area right by the river, the beautiful cascading river that is just adjacent and they put these uh, vases there and people would come and take pictures by them and near them. And, uh, but over time, the newness began to wear off and it didn't take very long until that newness began to wear off. And late one night, as vandals seemed to do under the cover of darkness, they took a, um, I'm not sure if it was a baseball bat or what it was, but the next day a vase had been cracked and broken down and, and the work that had been done. I wish they would have been metal so when the person swung the bat they would have got a real treat. But nonetheless, like dropping fences, they uh, decided that they would drop these vases and, and they started to crush these vases and one fell at a time. And while the city tried to contemplate whether it would recover over the next season, one vase after another, regardless of trying to watch and turn up security and guard one vase after another until the artistic venue that had been placed there upon those concrete slabs was now nothing more but wrecked vases here and there and piles on the ground. And so when you go there now because of the vandalism, all you see is what once remained. And had you not been there to see it before, you think that something is coming. Please catch this. Had you not been there before, you think that something is on its way when the truth is something has been in there and is gone. And one of the most dangerous things for any person is that they can just come to terms and settle with the fact that what was great no longer can be. 
It's where the people were in this, in this hour of Haggai. It's, it's this area where this group of Jewish people, these exiles that had been carried away and now have been able to return. They're in a place where they are trying to live and to learn and to flourish again. They've been allowed the opportunity to be there. But Haggai comes on the scene as a prophet and where the temple is supposed to be is nothing but foundation. There is the thought of progress, but there is no progress itself. It, he makes these declarations. It's very important, in fact, in the start uh, of Haggai and then in the second chapter as well. You will find that Haggai is one of the most remarkably dated portions of the entire text. We have to do work and hard work on some places in Scripture to try to date and to try to stamp when it was taking place. But there are very clear dates and markings, and even in the opening of the second chapter, we can find that, that Haggai is giving prophecy about building on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, very significant when we look to the old temple that had been built before it was destroyed with Solomon and we look back at the Feast of Tabernacles. And it seems like, like everything is lined up perfectly to which I would tell you when it's God's timing, it will be perfect. When it's our timing, how many know it can get and get a little messed up, but when it's God's timing, it can be perfect. And, and Haggai is dealing with the, the reality of a desolate landscape. The problem is they have begun to build homes, but not the temple. Haggai comes on the scene and begins to challenge them under the inspiration of the Lord. And he begins to preach to the governor, Zerubbabel, and he begins to preach there to the high priest, Joshua, and he begins to preach to the people. He begins to prophesy as it were. And as he prophesies, if you read in chapter one of Haggai, the people say, it is not time. And the Lord speaks to Haggai and said, you tell them it is time. I feel like I'm on a little bit of assignment and I appreciate you allowing me the long runway to get started here for, I hope it's a long runway for a short message. I appreciate you allowing me because I want to tell somebody at some point it's got to be time. At some point, it's got to be time. And he shows up on the scene and they are looking at the desolation and they're looking at the destruction. And they have become so enamored with what used to be that they have lost the vision for what could be again. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you on this Sunday morning that while I am thankful for our past, if we live in our past, we cannot celebrate our present. Amen. Say, Pastor Carson, that's a big statement. What are you talking about? I'm not talking just simply about our church. I'm not talking overall about Pentecost. I'm not talking about just your life individually or your family tree. I'm speaking very general and collectively. You take anything and where we came from. Those of you that love to study history and you see the divine hand of God that has been on us as a country and that has been upon us as a people and you look upon us as Pentecostals and believers of Christ, 
You know that as a country, we've been tried to be decimated time and time again. As a group of believers, we have tried to be alienated and annihilated even time and time again. You look back at the history of this church. How many know that while there were some that wanted there to be a church in Indianapolis, there were also voices of opposition that rose up against there being a church in Indianapolis. And when it had started in the first small church, they didn't think it could ever make it over here. And, and when they started talking, with Brother Urshan started talking about getting the street named Calvary, they thought, well, that'll never happen until it did. And then when some young pastor got up and started talking about building a new sanctuary, some people said, well, it'll never happen until it did. And I tell you here today that this church even went through a season where some said we're not sure that it will ever move forward and be what it was or take new strides. And yet I'm here to tell you. Why is it? Because when the word of the Lord comes to somebody or to a group of people that believe in his word, then it doesn't matter what the opposition is saying and it doesn't matter what the landscape is saying. Wait a minute, Haggai. The entire landscape is lying in ruins. And Haggai looks back at them and, then, and asks them a question. Then why do your houses look so nice? Why do your houses look so good while the temple is a pile of bricks? Why do your residence look so good while the temple itself is eroding? I've got a word from the Lord. He tells them and begins to prophesy. And in spite of it all, he begins to command there to be building. And ladies and gentlemen, when they got the word, they got to work. Boy, that's a, good, that's a good thought. Somebody ought to jot that down. When they got the word, they got to work. When the word came, the work came. And they started working and they started building. The project began within a month from the proclamation. And they began building and they began erecting this temple. And, and the problem with it was that they kept comparing what they had to what they have. They kept comparing the way it was to the way it is. How many know that we have a tendency to romanticize the past? When we look back, we were faster than we actually were. We were stronger than we actually were. We had more hair than we ever had. We were better looking. You can't tell you how many people I've met that would have been in the NBA would have made the NFL, woulda, 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 coulda, shoulda, didn't. <laughs> but we have a tendency to look back and I am not diminishing the glory of the temple that Solomon had built. And if you want to read in the book of 1 Kings chapter 6 and in the book of 2 Kings, you can read about it. You can read about the glory and the splendor, that seven-year building project. And it was miraculous and it was powerful. And there were the cutting of stones and there was the falling of timbers by the Sidonians. And it was glorious. But I'm going to tell you when it became glorious. The Bible said it truly became glorious, not when they looked upon its stature, not when they looked upon its bricks or its cedars, but the Bible said it became glorious when they carried the ark of the Lord into that place and the glory cloud filled that temple so that the priests were not able to minister and the glory filled that place. But somewhere along the way, the people had forgotten about the glory cloud and began speaking about the glory of the aesthetics. And now here they are rebuilding a temple that seems not nearly as 
as grand to the one that Solomon would build. We, we know that later in the New Testament, even in the book of Luke, we're going to read in the looking upon after Herod has begun to embellish and add to and now trying to make it more grand vision wise. But standing here at Haggai in the second chapter, we're standing at the temple that is being rebuilt and Haggai instructed from the Lord looks upon them and begins to talk. They are concerned. They are overwhelmed. It's not as pretty as we thought it would be. It's not as beautiful. It's not as elaborate as it was going to be. We, we pictured something. I need to stop for a moment and make sense of this for somebody that's in this room right now. There are many people under the sound of my voice, I feel impressed of the Lord to tell you, you thought life would look different than it does. You thought your calling would have materialized different. You thought your family would look different. You thought your marriage would be different. You thought that you did. this is not what you pictured. And it's kind of like Haggai looking and talking to these people. This isn't what you wanted. I can see it. You're, you're still looking back. There wasn't but a few elders that could remember the original temple. And, and, and they're talking through it. And they're trying the comparison and the splendor between the two. But Haggai had a word from the Lord for them when he told them you got to be strong you be strong and you build anyway you be strong and you build anyway he told them you be strong and you build anyway it's important that he did this I told you it was during the last part of the feast of tabernacles it was during the feast of tabernacles that they would open up the book of Deuteronomy and they would begin to read and it's laced through the book of Deuteronomy where they were reading about being strong in the Lord being strong strong in the Lord. It was the reminder of the exodus of God's people that if you'll be strong and let God do the work, how many know if you let him fight your battles, if you let him do the work, everything is going to be okay. Again, I appreciate you allowing me the long runway. And so we get to the place he's challenged them to be strong and it, it has boistered them, so to speak. They feel a little encouraged. They, they feel a little strengthened and, and they are building up this temple. But yet when they begin to build it and there becomes this comparison between what was and what is. And how many know as people, we can be prone to do that. We can compare what was through romanticizing our past with what is until Haggai under the inspiration inspiration of the Lord spoke to them and let them know, wait a minute, you need to know the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. You say, Pastor Carson, what was he really talking about there? Because we've quoted it and we've talked about it. I thank God for the temple of Solomon and I thank God for the glory cloud that was going to fill that place. But this temple that while it didn't look great on the outside was going to be representative of a man that would come to the earth. The Bible would say that he would have a name above every other name. And, and on the outside, he might not have looked at There was no form nor comeliness that we might desire him, but he was going to be more than just any person. In fact, John chapter one and verse one said in the beginning is the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But verse 14 is tied to this temple of Haggai because verse 14 says, and he became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his what? 
His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And thank God that the cloud filled Solomon's temple. But it would be this temple that some people didn't think was as pretty and they were trying to compare it to what used to be. It would be this temple where the man Christ Jesus was going to walk into and he was going to begin to do ministry and even the scribes were going to be overwhelmed and the doctors were going to be overwhelmed. But here was the entire portion of it from Haggai to the people. Don't you be so worried about how it looks aesthetically. Let's get a structure that the glory that's coming can get into because if I want to speak to somebody in this room and tell you, unless Jesus shows up, why do we call it a temple anyway? I preached to somebody on this Sunday morning. I thank God. Now, I, I'm, I'm biased. I'm biased. I think that the way the church looks right now is better than it was. I'm biased. Now, I know some people, we love green. Okay. I understand. And I'm good. And it was awesome then. This is, but listen, this is not a comparison about what color palette. How many know that's right? One of, the, one of the toughest conversations in my life was when I had to talk to the person who stained all the oak we painted over. He said, I'd like to talk to you. Mm. Mm. I said, we have an executive pastor. His name, let me give you his cell number. He likes me to give his cell number. <laughs> pastor Carson, what are you preaching? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preaching this. Haggai had to tell them what I'm telling you. Aesthetics or not, one of the greatest revivals, I want to tell you this, one of the greatest revivals I've ever preached in my life was in a liquor store. You were an alcoholic? No! It was a liquor store and that home missionary in that city couldn't find any other building but that liquor store had been abandoned and they were breaking the windows in with rocks and he found that little building and he was driving by and he looked at it and the Lord said, you make a church there and he said, let's do the new one. The Lord said, you can use that church. One of the greatest revivals I ever preached, they had went into that old broken up liquor store, just a little concrete building, wasn't very big at all, wasn't hardly as big as this section right here. And they painted white on the walls and they put some carpet down and they threw some chairs in there and that place was packed full of people. And when we walked in that house to preach, there'd be tears streaming down off of people's cheeks and falling onto the floor. You know why? Not because of the building, but because Jesus showed up in the house. I've got a confession for you. I don't want to do church without him. I don't want to do church without the Lord. But if the Lord will show up, if the Lord will show up in this house, I thank God for the stone. I thank God for the woods. I thank God for the building. But if it's, but if it's based on aesthetics, I'm going to take it one step further. Thank God for this technology. But if we didn't have this technology, would he still be good? Would he still be worthy? Sound, sound men aren't going to like this, but if we had to do it like this. What if I had to get in here to lift my voice with everything else? Or wondering what happened.
Would he still be worth coming to church? Come on, would he still be the one that healed you and filled you and saved you and delivered you? Haggai said, don't, don't you compare the structures, the glory of the latter house. Woo! There is a man coming that is unlike any other man. And I'm telling you, I believe that man is in this place today. I believe the Holy Ghost is in this place is in this place today. If you believe he's here, let's give him praise. In the balcony, in the balcony, from my right to my left, in the center, give him praise. He on the robocosata. Woo, God, we give you. Because when he shows up, all the building is worth it. You have to picture them building that temple when the land is desolate and everyone thinks it. Even all the people, they had got a rumor. They had played a game of telephone and got the rumor through all the people. It's not time, it's not time, it's not time, it's not time. He'll tell Haggai, it's not time. It's not time, it's not time, it's not time. And there's a rumor that some people, listen, I'm not saying anyone here is saying it, but there's a rumor that the enemy's trying to release in this city that it's not time for us to grow so great that we gotta go to mirrored services. It's... It, there's a lie of hell that's trying to, let's just have fun church. Let's just have good church. Let's just have convenient church. I don't want convenient church. I want soul saving, aisle running, devil casting out, Holy Ghost infilling, people in the baptismal. I want the kind of church where they know I met Jesus there. I met I met Jesus there. I want people to know if you're addicted, get to this house. If you're brokenhearted, get to this house. If you're overwhelmed, get to this house. If you're despondent, get to this house. Get to this house. God, I feel like running with you. I don't ever do this, but I feel like running. Get to this house. Get to this house. Get to this house. I don't know the right songs to sing. I don't know the right paint color to make people come. I don't know. Paint the organ black. Oh my. All of it, none of it matters unless we get Jesus in this house. But there are testimonies all over this building that say, I met him there. I met him there. I met him in that house. Oh, lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, the silver's his. The gold is his. Brother Faulkner, stand with me. I'm just stand. I'm, I'm. <laughs> we presented our business meeting. 
we talked at our business meeting and we, we, we try to be very transparent with our finances here. God has blessed us. We have three incredible buildings, the church, the, the, the college, the K-12 and CCC. We, we're blessed. We talk about the note that we have. Everyone knows with something of this magnitude, you can carry a note. And all my mind has been over, not overwhelmed, but just running in overtime about how do we get rid of this debt? The borrower subject to the lender. How do we? And knowing what God is trying to do in Indianapolis, and it seems like everything that we need to do costs a lot of money. I'm seeking God. And I felt like the Lord, I know the Lord, just started speaking Haggai to me. Haggai to me. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Felt like the Lord deposited into my spirit what I rise to the occasion to tell you today. If we'll, if we'll honor him, he'll honor his body. He's going to be good on his word. That glory, that glory in the man Christ Jesus, that glory in the bodies that how many know he's still pouring out his spirit? He's filling vessels. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is the spirit of God. It desires to be inside of you. What do I do? You repent. Say, I'm sorry about what could have been, what would have been, what should be. I'm sorry, forgive me. I want a temple that you'll live in. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we've got a few that have already gone to start getting ready. They're getting baptized this morning for the remission of their sins. We baptize here in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why are you so particular about how you baptize? Same reason he wanted them to be particular in how they built the temple. Can I tell you it this way? I, I don't ever want him to feel like a stranger in his house. If you've never been filled, same way Jesus walked into that physical building in Acts chapter 2. He was going to start walking into the temple of lives. He was going to take a precedence. Paul was later going to challenge them to be reminded that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Ghost. He was speaking to the people of the church as I speak to the people in the church on this day. But pastor, you... You're preaching the silver is his and the gold is his. I am because he's able to make it happen. I'm not asking if the silver is his or the gold is his. I'm asking if you're his. I'm asking if I'm. I'm going on record, Lord. I want you. This is your house. We're your people. 